You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. The Montreal Canadiens went 2-1 last night at Scotiabank Arena over the Toronto Maple Leafs and now hold a 1-0 series lead in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaggia. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. This is the Habs Culture Podcast, and we would like to take the time to shout out our good friends at Signature Pro. They have put together weekly memorabilia charity auctions that include a variety of items with star bids of $10, $5, and even $1. Every Friday, auctions begin, which lasts till the following Wednesday at 8 p.m., and 15% of the proceeds are donated to a charity each week. Since the beginning of 2021, they have given back $2,046 per week. Make sure to visit them at signaturepro.bidandraise.com to start bidding now. That's signaturepro.bid, N as the letter N, raise.com. Now, before we get into Paul Byron, Carey Price, we would like to give our prayers, our thoughts, to John Tavares and his family. No matter which team you're cheering for, whether it be Montreal, whether it be Toronto, whether it be Minnesota, you do not want to see a player go down like that and a play that happened so quick and just looked horrible, especially from a spectator's point of view. You just never want to see that happen. And we just want to make it clear that our thoughts are with John Tavares and we hope for a speedy recovery on his part. Honestly, this goes far beyond hockey. And at the end of the day, that was honestly terrifying to watch. We all know that that play was an accident. Corey Perry didn't mean to knee him in the face. However, regardless of what happened and regardless of how it happened, you never like to see that happen to a player. No. No, it's it was truly... One of the scariest moments I've seen since Max Pacioretty got hit into the board. And even with the instances where some players' hearts have collapsed on the bench too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It, it's like just... Rich Peverly. Anyway, these instances are so scary. And like Mark said, our prayers are with his family, him, of course, his friends, any anyone. And we really hope he makes a speedy recovery, and he can get back to normal life soon. Exactly, 100%. Um, Obviously, it was a start of the game with high emotions. Then that incident happened, and it completely flipped the switch. And yeah, it was something no one likes to see. But of course, the game has to go on. And we'll get into this a bit, because Nick Foligno made a decision that we don't agree with. I don't think many people agreed with. I understand where he was coming from. And I understand that someone was on the ice. His friend was on the ice. His hurt. captain. His captain, his teammate. However, I don't consider that the code to drop the gloves with someone who was clearly in shock and did not want to fight. He shook his head. Right. And I think... 
I don't want to get into this too much because you know it's it's a little it's a little bit of a sensitive it's topic. It's touchy, yeah. But from my point of view and from my and my opinion essentially is that I think most people know and most people understand that that was an accident. And Corey Perry knows John Tavares. They're friends. They've played together when it came to Team Canada. Corey Perry would never try to do something like that on purpose. So I think when Nick Foligno decided that he wanted to drop the gloves to protect his teammate and his captain, I disagree with the call. Because at the end of the day, usually in those instances, dropping the gloves is to answer the, answer the call when it looked malicious, when it looked purposeful, mm-hmm. when it looked like it was on purpose. And all indications pointed that it wasn't on purpose. So I don't like that on Nick Foligno's part, a vet, someone who understands the game. But hey, it happens. And at the end of the day, it didn't really affect the game that much. It was a five. Maybe they were trying to get some energy going. Maybe yeah, 100%. To, uh, Maybe they were. But Corey Perry wasn't punching back. Because if he this He felt was... bad. He felt terrible. Well, first of all, I don't think he was punching back because he didn't want to break his hand like Ben Sherratt did. Right. No, but what I'm saying is that I think in general, Perry was still stunned by the yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, because there was an instance where Felino was super vulnerable in that fight and he could have got... If this was a regular fight in game two of the regular season, a guy like Josh Anderson could have taken advantage of that vulnerable position he was in. Corey Perry didn't even punch back. So he was just trying to get it over with. He had to accept because he had to step if up. If he for didn't accept, what it would have looked pretty bad on his part. It wouldn't have looked bad, but they would have continued bugging him, even though Wayne Simmons I mean, kept doing it. When I say look look bad, I think people because it was clear to me that Toronto really wanted that fight. I don't know why. Well, like Nick Foligno said, he wanted to put put it away, put that situation. It's over with. But let's he, play hockey. But Nick right? Foligno also said that he didn't see the play, so. Maybe he believed that it was malicious. I don't know. He said after the game, it wasn't because of the the way he hit him. It was just because he saw his captain lying on the I ice. I think it was just unnecessary. It was unnecessary because Shea Weber was lying on the ice because he got tripped. doesn't mean you, fought, you dropped the gloves. But Anyway. John Tavares, again. This has nothing to do with John Tavares, by the way. This has to do with Felino and the way he the reacted. The sequences or the events that happened and it, after. If it, was, if it was for a momentum swing, Sure. But in the moment, I just, I didn't like how it transpired and right. how the reaction was of John Tavares. I think we can drop it and, you know, move on from it. We've already received word that John Tavares has been um, released released from the hospital. Thank you. So signs are pointing in the right direction. Yeah. Our prayers are with him, his family, his friends. And, and we truly hope for a speedy recovery. Right. It's that simple. You never want to see that. There you go. But now let's talk about hockey. Get our ho- get our our hopes in a different direction because now we're a bit down. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a touchy subject. It's sad, but now we're happy. The Canadians are up one nothing. Craig Button said the Canadians stood no chance. They were going to get swept, and they win game one. So the worst case scenario, they go half half in Toronto. That's great. Obviously, it'd be better to go up two nothing, but and that's baby against- steps. Right, and that's against a team that, when it comes to the regular season, knows how to perform. And they get a lot of praise for that. Now, on the contrary, 
they get a lot of backlash for not being able to perform in the playoffs. But with that being said... We can't get ahead of ourselves. Right. But at one point, the Maple Leafs team and their star players and the talent they have is going to come to fruition Mm -hmm. at one point or another. And it doesn't mean it's going to be in this series necessarily. However, it could. It really could. And taking a 1-0 series lead is huge, especially on their home ice. However, Habs fans are very up and down. And everyone is very excited with that with that win. Mm-hmm. But let's just say the Leafs take game two. Where do we stand? Well, I don't want to look too much into that. I just want to remind people of the fact that the Canadians struggled to win two straight for a long time. They finished the season 0-5. They lost yeah, five but in a row. At the end of the season, they were injured and... Like Corey Perry said, they didn't even have time to practice. No, and I agree with you. It was such a condensed schedule. But all I'm pointing out is that going into the playoffs, one of the biggest things is momentum. Mm -hmm. And when you've lost five in a row going into the playoffs, your confidence levels aren't that high. Yeah, but But now... But they came out flying. They came out and they played a a great first period. I hated their second period. I didn't like their second period at all. They gave a chance. There were zero chances. They literally gave the chance to Leafs to take take over they could have scored three quick ones good night the game was in carry price's hands at that point he's a beast and that goal that they scored on him if it doesn't bounce out to nylander's stick there was a lot of traffic score. in front right um yeah carry price played amazing what a save people don't realize that two-on-one save how important it was and how difficult that save is to lift up that blocker while in the splits beautiful Great save, save. So, I want to point something out. Because on last episode, we talked heavily. Or not really heavily, but we made our predictions for the lineup. Yeah. And I think we were basically spot on. In the sense that we had Caulfield not making the lineup. And I think we even had... We wanted him. Well, right. We wanted him in the lineup. But we knew. We we knew. And same goes for Kotkaniemi. Now, we didn't make that prediction for Romanov. And that's a different topic. Mm -hmm. However, my question to you is... After seeing last night's game... Yeah. What are your thoughts on the lineup that played game one of the of this series? And do you make any adjustments? Do you leave it as is? Now, I know Jake Evans left the game and didn't return, mm-hmm. so that's going to require some adjustments. However, are you satisfied with Eric Stahl's play? Were yes. you satisfied with his play? I was. I he was. came to play. He that did. line, first of all, Josh Anderson... I don't even know what word to use. I know what word to use, or I know what words to use. Say Playoff it. performer. And I've my my good buddy Jason, huge Tampa Bay Lightning fan. He knows that Josh Anderson single-handedly swept them. Yeah. And I, sorry, that's a little premature. Not single-handedly because Panarin and Duchesne got in there too. But they didn't know how to control him. We'll they, say. I don't. I don't think. Any team knows how to control him. Mm. Every time he's on the ice, he has an impact on the game. Yeah. Whether it's with his hitting, with his speed, with his shot, regardless, he makes an impact, and that's what's so important come playoffs. He's the most dangerous player on the ice. On our Canadians. team, yeah. I would say. Because I can name a handful of players that were ghosts last night. Right, and some of those players are supposed to be key players, whether it be Nick Suzuki. Tyler Toffoli, I wouldn't say inexistent, but he didn't... He woke up at one point. He was taking a few quality shots there. He tried to take matters into his own hand at one point. Right. Um, but can was, I... Yeah, sorry. go ahead. 
I was just going to say, can I redirect the conversation just to one specific topic? Because I'm curious, and I think people listening are very curious. Yeah. Eric Stahl played a very solid game. Yeah, he did. And my question is, is that if I'm being honest with you, going into that first game, I wasn't so optimistic about that decision. I don't think anyone was. Right. So my question is to you is that, are you satisfied with the way he played? And do you think he should be in the lineup going forward? Yes. And he has to be with Josh Anderson. Because if he's making, like Josh Anderson's goal, beautiful pass by Eric Stahl. Right up the seam. But if that's not Josh Anderson, sorry, that's not Josh Anderson. He's the, it's not scoring. They're not scoring. Right? Right. He got on his horse. He took off. He just split the D kind of thing. No chance for Bogosian to get back. If that's maybe, Obviously, if that's Paul Byron, he'll get to the net. Doesn't mean he's going to score because he hit that post and in. The beautiful shot. Anyways, I liked Eric Stahl's play. I didn't like Nick Suzuki's play. I didn't like Thomas Tatar's play. Didn't like Yol Armia's play. And one other guy I want to point out who I'm going to give a little bit of slack to is Brennan Gallagher. Mm-hmm. I think he knows how to do his job. He knows what he needs to do to succeed. However, he didn't. He wasn't as... He didn't stand out on the ice, let's just say. Well, last year in the bubble, he didn't stand out until like yeah, the Philly series. The Philly series, right. right? It took him a when while to get into it. When he started getting under Niskanen's nerves and yeah. the rest of the team's nerves. So I think him making a presence later on in the series, past game four is going to be so important, right? Because they need him. They need a guy like Gallagher to be a pest. He is so important to this team, and we've talked about it before, but that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. So for the lineup for game two, my initial thoughts, this is my initial thoughts, and once again, I'm not the coach of this team because clearly we've made predictions for lineups before and we were completely wrong about Caulfield and all that. I would love to see Kotkaniemi in for Evans, Caulfield in for Armia. However, the only one I see happening is Evans and Kotkaniemi Mm -hmm. doing a switch. Right. I don't see Armia being taken out until they get back to Montreal, unless he has a monster night for game two. But you don't take out Byron. That bottom six, I don't think you should be touching. I'm really sad that Evans got hurt, and I hope he's okay. Did you see it? No. I didn't see what happened. No, didn't see anything that happened. And no one said what happened. Like, no one said what it was. They just undisclosed, I think. But you think he... You think it's a longer-term issue? I don't think it's longer-term because Ducharme said today that he could be available for Game 2. Oh, okay. I just... It's not like he's an experienced player. Ducharme wants experience. So, putting him for Kotkaniemi. Kotkaniemi is more important to us in the future than Jake Evans. For sure. But I think I think Jake Evans flies under the radar as how he, how important he is to our franchise going forward and i think people think you know you look at suzuki you look at kk you look at caulfield you look at romanov you look at primo those guys are the big five or six i really would include evans in that in that group i really would yeah it just it was tough watching the boys after the win go in the tunnel and fist bump the guys in suits obviously i didn't mind seeing eric gustafson in a suit (laughs) i actually made my day Um, (laughs) you know what your opinion on him is yeah but to see KK in a suit, I don't know. It, Caulfield, I understand. Like, I don't understand that he shouldn't be in the lineup. Like, he scores goals, but he's he's new to the team. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not and KK has emotionally experience. attached yet. For sure. But KK, 
he was drafted to be our number one guy. And it's tough to see in such a big game him on the sidelines. So I hope that in game two, he comes back on a mission. And I think he will slide into the lineup. I don't know who he's going to be playing with. I don't know. You think it I'd might like be Lekkonen and Byron? I think it would be, but I don't I don't know if I'd want that. I don't know if I'd want that either, but I also don't want them shaking up anything too drastically. Me neither. I but I think you can you can find a way to I guess you can't put KK with Anderson because Stahl played well with Anderson. Right. So I think it would have to be Byron and Lekkonen. The Toffoli line Look, I don't think you need to put the lines in the blender here. Mm-mm. They had one rough game. Don't need to change things. It's not like the Leafs are going to go change the Matthews line. Well, no. Right? So, look, I'm going to redirect the conversation a little bit. And I find I do this a decent amount. But I just want to focus on the specifics a little bit. Because I have the stats in front of me. There are two or three things, in my opinion, that the Habs did incredibly well in last night's game. That resulted in the W. The first thing is, is 55 hits. The playoffs are all about tight checking games. Yeah. You have to finish your hits. Every player on the team recorded a hit. With that being said, bringing that physicality and finishing your hits wears down the other team. And it was noticeable. The next thing I want to note is the face-offs. 55% on the night as a team, which is... Very strong. However, their power play face-off percentage is probably way lower than that. And even their power play percentage in general. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But just to finish my comment here, Dano was 15, uh, won 15 face-offs, lost 12, finished 55%. Now Suzuki, I'll say struggled a little bit, finished 48%, but went 12 wins, 13 losses. Not horrible. Not horrible. And then Eric Stahl went three for six, so 50%. I don't know why he only took six face-offs, but he won, he won uh, a few important ones. Except for the ones on the power play. That's why he was taken off. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, and one, one last thing I want to note is yeah. that at the end of the game in the dying minutes, the Habs lost three D-zone draws. Three. Except for the last, last, last one. The la- exactly. Yeah. Except for the last, 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 last one. But what I'm saying is that they lost two on the Leafs power play and one was on an icing where yeah. Dano got back on the ice. But all I'm saying is that, look, you finished the night 55%, great. But it also comes down to which faceoffs you're winning. And those were three important draws where one or two of them had to be won, and they weren't. And the Leafs are lethal enough to begin with, especially with with an extra man on the ice. So take that into consideration, please, going forward. And if any other coach is is like telling his coaching staff, you know, let's watch Toronto-Montreal. Let's steal some ideas from their power plays. I highly (laughs) suggest to not watch this series. This was embarrassing. And... Leafs fans are complaining that they have a bad power play. At least they're in the zone. Okay, but can I say something? At least they're moving the puck around. We're skating laps. We're a figure skating team. But you know what the difference is, Mark? And this goes back to our first few episodes that we've ever recorded. Star power? Star power. They're 0 for 4, and I hope I don't jinx this going forward. 
but they're over. They were over four. Well, it's gonna happen at one point, right? They were over four, and look who they have on the power play. No, but us, we have guys that can do well. Okay, but instead, but you can't Armia, compare. Armia, uh, no, we can't compare. But take advantage of their woes. Ducharme's putting Armia, Stall. What is this? The PK? What are you mixing your pieces? Well, we up? don't have any other options, really. That's the problem. Who are we putting? The guys that are in the stands. Right, but you can't just... Here's my point. You can't just bring those guys back solely for the purpose of the power play. Well, Can if you? They sco- if they score two power play goals last night, how many did they have? Six power plays? That over right, five, but maybe. KK's been a liability at five on five. Yeah, 100%. But to put him for Evans, you have PK guys to fully complete on the PK. Dano, Evans, obviously. Lekinen, Dano. So why do you need Evans? Because you can put Suzuki to Foley, Dano, right. Byron, Look, Armia. I mean, I'm a huge Evans supporter. Mm-hmm. So I think that he should be in the lineup if healthy, no matter what. But I agree with you in the sense that if Kotkaniemi makes his way into the lineup, he has to be on the power play. You have more PK guys than power play guys. Right. But so that's put also, in there. But that's... So, and sorry to like cut you off there, no, but fine. it's also really important for playoff hockey. You it's don't a need changer. a thousand PK guys. Exactly. But you need more PK guys than power play guys. Well, you need two. Two per shift. Right, but... What I'm saying is that PK also comes down to end of the game. If you're up a goal, up two yeah. goals, you're trying to protect the lead. Who do you want out there? Who do you, sorry, who do you want out there? You don't want Kotkaniemi over Evans in the dying two minutes of the game. I wouldn't even put Evans. Really? He's a I'd great Deno, faceoff guy. Deno, Suzuki, right, but No, I think I'd put Evans out there over Suzuki if I'm being honest. When it comes down to draws. Well, draws, he wouldn't be taking the draw. Deno should be. T- Austin Matthews played the last four minutes of the game. Why not put Deneau out there for the last four minutes of the game? Okay, right. But I'm saying is that in the last three minutes, if you're up one nothing, mm-hmm. Deneau is going to get on the ice for a shift or two. Yeah. But then who's the next guy? And just to give you perspective, I know he didn't play. He only played eight minutes of ice time, but Evans went four for five on draws. No, no, I know. Evans is great. But my point is that you have two centers that can win defensive draws at a decent rate. Mm-hmm. You have three with Evans. But then on the power play, it becomes one. Because Evans doesn't go on the power play. Dano doesn't go on the power play. Do you think he should get on the power play? Who? Evans. No. Kotkaniemi should be. Why do you have three defensive guys and one offensive guy? At least make it 2-2. That's what my point is. That Evans great at defensively. Great at defensive faceoffs. But you have two other guys that can also do it. Mm Mm-hmm. So why are we overloading on centers that could win defensive draws when at the end of the day, we know Dano's going to be on the ice the whole time? Fair. And then they just throw on Suzuki with Armia or Toffoli with Dano. Those are the defensive guys. Lekkonen with Armia. Right? You have other options for defensive. So then Evans should be in for Stahl and Kotkaniemi Kotkaniemi takes that fourth spot. Yeah, that'd be... But Saul's not going to sit. You know that. It's right. either Evans or I mean, or look, he played him. a good game, so... Yeah. I'll give him credit. But I'm just saying that I think this goes beyond 
playoff hockey and regular season. I'm looking at him as a player. I'm not going to say I'm calling it. Like, I'm really not. I'm just saying that I think Evans, from what I've seen and watching every game, like, he should be a third-line center. No, no, he's great. On many teams. I take nothing away from him. It's just in this right, particular, right, right. when their power play, they couldn't even enter the zone. Armia didn't know what to do. Stahl didn't know what to do. Petrie was lost. Did you see when he was t- looking for the guy behind him to pass it? Ended up just going to the blue line and giving it away? They were lost. And how did they break into the zone? With speed. Toffoli did it on his own. Pass to Armia. Completely missed the net. Well, why do you think the Leafs are successful on their entries? Because they have these stars who have speed. Yeah. That are able... No, but I'm I'm backing yeah, yeah. your point here. Yeah. I'm saying that it's... It's very easy for teams that have a guy like McKinnon or Crosby or Matthews or McDavid or Marner to get into the zone. Mm -hmm. The second part of the power play is getting quality chances. And they lack that, like us. But we're also lacking the entry. The entry is so important. And that face-off is so important. important. I I like Kotkaniemi on the half wall. I like Kotkaniemi in general. And I don't I want to go too much into this because we've actually talked a lot about him before and we everyone knows our stance. I just think he's going to bounce back. You don't think or you I will? think. I hope Evans, you're right. Evans sat and came back in the lineup as if he never wanted to leave the ice again, which is, that should be your mentality. Kotkaniemi should have the same one. He should, he should never want to be sitting in the stands unless he's hurt. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, that power play was extremely embarrassing because the Leafs got three penalties of delayed game, which are penalties that don't come often. And they couldn't even take advantage of it. Thank God they won because I thought they were going to blow all their power play chances and the Leafs were going to come down the other way on a 2-1-1 with Nylander and Marner and score. But instead, our MVP saved everyone. So, shout out to Price. <laughs> Shout out his $10.5 million contract, that he's which is up worth right it. Now. Right. People, people are forgetting about that. This is why he gets the big bucks. He's, he's, he's our savior. He did, imagine what he did last night for a whole season. He did that, what was it, his 2016, 2015 season? Yeah, the whole year. But we're not going to get into contract talks because, again, We've done that already. We talked about it. We're not going to do a long episode today. We're already at 26 minutes. We'll talk about a few more things here. I don't know if you want to go into... I think we're done on the power play. Yeah. Look... Go into bold predictions or... or do you want? Well, I just want to say one thing. Is that... For people listening, the reason that we don't really have much talk to to talk about is because... They played a good game. Quite frankly, they played a good game. And I mean... That's our goal as, you know, two friends who are putting together a podcast is we love to talk about the game and the sport and the team. But if we, the less we talk, the better the, better the team's playing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but there's always something to cl- complain about in my right, show because we right. just went seven minutes or so talking about five, the power play, five to seven minutes. Well, look, the power play, sorry, special teams in general are so important come playoff time. And it's truly embarrassing that both these teams went a combined 0 for 9 last night on the power play. 
something's got to change. Hopefully in the Habs direction as opposed to the Leafs direction. Something will change. I don't know which team it will be. Well, I mean, Matthews hit the, the crossbar of the post on the power play. So, yeah. you know, and that's, that's a problem too, is that we can't keep giving a team like that with that star power that many chances. Because four chances, if they capitalize on one or two of them, I mean... But again, the Toronto Maple Leafs went from two powerhouse first lines, mediocre D, mediocre goaltending, and below average bottom six, to now one crazy first line, an average second line, and the rest is the same. Below average, bottom six, mediocre right. defenseman and goalie. Because John Tavares, that's a huge loss. And putting Felino in there with Galchenyuk, they have to take advantage of the opportunity to take away Matthews's and Marner's opportunities. Which I think they did a good job. Sorry? Which I think they did a good job. Yeah, but they have to take advantage of the bottom six. The Canadians have to... They just have to... They have to lock down Matthews. And then and take advantage the rest of the rest. will be done through the bottom right, six. Right, because if Anderson, Stahl, and Perry are matching up with Engvall, Mikhaev, and Kerfoot... Exactly. I mean, look, I'm not going to say that Stahl and Perry are going to use their speed. Anderson but Josh will. Anderson should 100% be capitalizing on those opportunities. Mm-hmm. But... So since we have a few minutes, I have a question because we actually haven't talked about it at all. But um, defensemen, I think for the most part, all six defensemen played a fairly solid game. When you don't notice them, that means they played well. Right. And I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the stats, and I don't want to go too much into it, but you know, a few block shots here and there for most players, uh, only two penalty minutes from Sherratt, a few... Many hits from every player or every defenseman. So I think, I think that's one of the most important things in the playoffs. If the defensemen are able to keep players, i.e. Matthews, Marner, and those stars on the outside, use their body and get the puck out of the zone, they've done their job successfully. I like the way the defensemen played. I like that Weber for the first half of the game or even more than that wasn't up against Matthews and Marner. They sheltered him a bit, which was good. Got his legs back. Obviously, he played like a beast the last four minutes of the game with him and Sherratt. And uh, and yeah, next game, Saturday night, Scotiabank Arena, game two. I expect a uh, a calmer, more skilled game, if I'm being completely honest. I hope not. I hope not. But because that's where that. they'll capitalize. Exactly, but I have a feeling it's going to be like that. Unless the Habs really take advantage of their opportunities. Look, can we be honest? The one way the Habs will be successful in this series, and hopefully series going forward, is by playing a game that uses speed, aggressiveness, and physicality. Mm-hmm. If they try to play a skilled game like the Leafs have played all regular season, they are going to lose. I don't think they will, though. I just have a feeling the game's going to be like that. But the Habs need to come out. They have to come out the same way that they did yesterday in the first period. Yeah, because the second, they can't have another period like that. No, because then again, those stars will capitalize. Mm, They will. At one point, they will. It's going to come back to bite them. So, 
What's your prediction Saturday night? I have one if you want me to go first just so you think of think about yeah, it. Yeah, because I, I have something, but I need to put it together here. But go ahead. Two assists from Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Is that bold enough? It is bold enough because who knows how many minutes he's going to get. And it's funny because I remember my bold prediction last game, or sorry, last, was it last week? I think it was last week. I don't know. Uh, but I made a prediction like Kotkaniemi, a goal, assists, certain amount of minutes. Oh, yeah. I don't think any of those hit. No. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, it's both for a reason. They probably um, sat him. <laughs> so I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to go with this. So I'm going to include a few components here if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. 75% on the draw for Eric Stahl. Okay. A goal for Eric Stahl. Wow. And that's my bold prediction. <laughs> yeah. 75% on the draw and a goal. I was giving you the eyes. Stop there. <laughs> Imagine I went into the specifics. Five shots, three hits. No, but a goal and 75% on the draw. So, okay. I mean, the 75% on the draw is going to come in, in handy as a, as a team stat. And the goal essentially, hopefully, will, will too. I'm excited. They can't take their foot off the I'm gas. I'm excited too, but can I tell you something? I truly believe... I want to. I want to mention something quickly. Last night after the game, I, I watched with my family or my mm-hmm. my parents, and I said to my dad, I was like, "Listen, after the first game, and you know he knows he knows hockey. I mean, he doesn't know the players name by name, but he knows hockey." I said to him, "I was, I was like, what's your prediction for the rest of the series?" I was like, "You know, we played game one. What's the prediction?" We'll give he, him a shout out if he if he gets it right. <laughs> he goes Habs in five. I was like, "Wow!" wow. I was like, "You're saying they're going to win the next three out of four games?" He goes, "Yep." So, if that's going to come to fruition, and if that's going to happen... They have to win the next game. They have to win the next game. Not just because they're up 2 nothing, because you get in their head. They're going to start stressing on the other end. If you're up 2 nothing on their home ice, they're going to be trembling. Yeah, but the Habs... Who knows the Habs? They, they could drop too easy at home. Back-to-back, they can easily do well, that. Well, we know with their unpredictability that... Who knows? Yeah, they could easily. But, but the, I think this game might be one of the more important ones of the series because I understand that it's either gonna end up one-one or two-nothing Habs, mm-hmm. and two-nothing Habs going back home, where they're playing, they're playing for potential fans in the crowd for a game six or, uh, ex- or a series that goes beyond this Leaf series, like around two they, fans. Yeah, the Habs players and organization feeds off of fans. Because 2,500 Habs fans is the equivalent to 10,000 Carolina fans. I'm joking. <laughs> but but you know what I mean. Habs fans are nuts. Yeah, but it's more the... Could you imagine the scenes in Toronto if they go down 2 I don't want to talk about that because I'm actually embarrassed for them if they lose. No, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's a one nothing here. Right. It's really... I know, I know. But what I'm saying is that Toronto's going to be in shambles. Yeah, they if, will. If, 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 if. That's why it's it's not more, it's not the fact that, oh, they're going back home. Obviously, that's cool to go up 2 nothing back home. It's more the psychological games with the other team that they're going to start freaking out. Goaltending They're already decisions. freaking out, I think, a little bit. They shouldn't be. It's really, it's... I know, but... It's one nothing. It takes one game to get back in the go series Go look at every, every pro's predictions for this series. Not one person had the Habs, and every... Every pro had, sorry, I keep saying pro, but every analyst mm-hmm. had the Leafs in four, five, six, or seven, 
obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but most of them were in five or six. Yeah. So with that being said, I mean, the, all the pressure is on them to succeed. And the fact that they dropped game one at home, I understand that they shouldn't be freaking out and it's a long series and there's many more games to be played. And it's However, the Montreal Canadiens. Right? <laughs> However, they're still, they're still not living up to the expectations that a lot of analysts put on them. Yeah, it's... And a lot of fans put on them. If they drop the second one, yeah, that's well. Let's be... hope, honestly, because honestly, if they come out of the, if the Habs come out of the gate flying, and get the first goal, and Price plays his game, and they the can. Habs go up two nothing. They just have to coming keep back home the same way. There can't be that thought of we're up, we're up one nothing, we're up whatever. You got to keep playing. You got to play every tied. game like it's a tied series, game seven. Exactly. So let's leave it at that. That's a good way to end it. Oh, I didn't... Oh, I gave my bold prediction. You did. I did. Great. Eric Stahl. <laughs> One goal, 75% on the draw. <laughs> so we'll end it at that. Thank you so much for joining us. Let us know your reactions of game one, your plans for game two. Yeah, let us know. Tweet at us, please. And one thing I want to emphasize too is that Mark and I are really planning on doing some pre-game, post-game, between periods, lives on Instagram. If you guys, were, if you guys like that idea... Again, hit us up, give us your thoughts, any topics you guys want us to talk about, and feel free to join the live, give your opinions, your thoughts, and we're trying we're trying to build a little community here where mm-hmm. we're able to interact with you guys, so yeah, feel free. Yeah, we'd love to do it in the playoffs with you guys, it's the most exciting time. And uh, stay tuned for a potential giveaway, once again. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. We'll end it off on that. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Habs Culture Podcast. Thanks a lot, guys.